This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Podcast time, everybody. It's episode 222 of the Pesky Report. Um, I'm Ed Hand. I'm joined today by uh, Brad Chandler. How are you, Brad? Who is Who are we brought to, everybody, by? We are brought to you by Belly Up Sports Media. I'm doing fantastic, Ed. How are you? You know, I'm good. I just found out that I don't have to go into work today uh, tomorrow because of the snow, so that's pretty cool. Um getting ready to finally uh, watch some World Baseball Classic after this. I'm going to try to catch the tail end of uh, Israel-Puerto Rico. Going to catch some of, uh, I think it's uh, the U.S. and Canada are having their their cage match, so I'm pretty excited to finally see that um, 200-year rivalry come to a head. Uh, But, you know, I'm also excited because um, we've got a guy on – today to talk about uh, the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, who in a lot of ways I have found to have some weird parallels with the Red Sox. I mostly think back to the uh, like 2003, 2004, that time when a bunch of Red Sox just inexplicably ended up there uh, from Boston. They had like uh, Derek Lowe, Nomar Garciaparra, Hideo Nomo, who you know, came up with the Dodgers, went to the Red Sox, then came back to the Dodgers. Shea Hillenbrand was there. Greedy Little was the manager. There were a lot of those guys. And now the Red Sox have a bunch of Dodgers. Um, I mean, the Dodgers have a few Red Sox, but, uh, you know, it's just it's sort of parallels there. Um, so I'm uh, that's kind of our lead in for uh, introducing Jake Reiner um, of uh, KCAL News and the Inclined Podcast. How are you doing today, Jake? I'm great, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Boy, I hadn't thought about Shea Hillenbrand in a long time, so that was a quite the uh, the deep cut. But also, a bunch of trades between the Dodgers and Red Sox over the years. The other one that comes to mind, Manny Ramirez, that was a huge one, and, uh, one. and obviously Mookie Betts mo- more recently. Yeah, we we don't have to talk about that one uh, <laughs> quite. It's a lot of people are still upset about that one. <laughs> oh, I know. I I I couldn't believe it when it happened. Honestly. Yeah, I don't what think was, a lot of us um, can believe that. I was I was cautiously optimistic at the time. I'm a big prospects guy. I like Verdugo. I still like Verdugo. Um, I like Jeter Downs a lot at the time. Uh, he, you know, you can say it's because of the lockout. You can say that they moved him up too aggressively. It doesn't matter. It didn't work with him. He's not with the team anymore. And Mookie Betts is going to end his career in Los Angeles. Uh, you know? You guys won that trade. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, how did you feel about that at the time? Like, what was the general take on Verdugo at that point in uh, in Los Angeles? Um, we kind of felt that, that Verdugo had uh, a lot of promise and he showed flashes of how good he could be. There was that... Um, that stretch there in 2019 where it was the first time ever three rookies had hit back to back to back 
walk-off home runs, and he was one of them. Um, the other two, uh, Matt Beatty and Will Smith. And we thought that he had a lot of swag, definitely a good, great clubhouse guy, great teammate. Um, but we never really got to see his full potential. And we thought, well, we're going to get to see it with the Red Sox because he was the main piece in that trade. And so far, it, I mean, he's been he's been decent, but kind of pedestrian a little bit. I'm kind of waiting for him to to kind of, you know, kind of put himself on the map a little bit in in Boston. So we we weren't too bummed about losing him. We actually were were quite surprised at the lack of a haul that we had to give up for Mookie Betts, um, which, you know, none of none of that made sense from a Boston perspective as far as we were concerned. But honestly, we were just unbelievably over the moon and 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 just really pleasantly surprised yeah it seems like he's lived up to it there too like has he oh. exceeded your expectations no he's met them i wouldn't say he's exceeded them he's met them i mean this is the type of player that we were hoping he would be he he kind of was the missing piece in 2020 pushed pushed the dodgers over the top into winning that world series depending on how you feel about the legitimacy of it he was the guy that um, that kind of put them over the top and made some unbelievable plays, not only with the bat, but especially in the field um, in that in that 2020 playoffs. But, you know, I, I think we're kind of waiting for 2018 Mookie Betts to arrive. Um, and and that's kind of the the hope that he kind of has that MVP type season for the Dodgers. We've not really seen that Mookie Betts yet, but what we've seen so far has been incredible. So there was another piece that went to L.A. Uh, in that trade as well. And not a lot of people like that talk about him. But uh, what were your thoughts on uh, getting David Price as well? Well, we thought we were getting a, a a great, you know, veteran starter. And obviously his his track record speaks for itself. And we were really excited because obviously Mookie Betts was the main part of that trade. So anything we got out of David Price, we were happy with. And then unfortunately, that's you know, when the pandemic hit and then he decided that he didn't want to participate in 2020. So we kind of lost a year and then they didn't really stretch him out to be a starter, which I thought was really weird. And they brought him out of the bullpen and he didn't really, that wasn't really a great role for him. And it it, kind of felt like we were just carrying him to carry him uh, because we couldn't send him down and we didn't really want to release him. And we liked him. they, They liked him in the clubhouse and all of that. And so he just was kind of a weird reliever didn't really pan out as a high leverage guy kind of came in as a mop-up guy and so it was kind of a disappointing ending to his his time with the Dodgers because we we had higher hopes for him and and we didn't really get to even see him start yeah the one other guy from the 2018 team that's there uh still in LA uh, that, that wasn't you know in that trade uh, he's a free agent this year that's JD Martinez um what's yep. what's been the vibes with him in camp so far how's he oh my god I mean the, the, the fact is, is that, you know, J.D. Is, has not really had a, a that productive of a spring so far, but what he has brought off the field has been incredible. Uh, he's been working with uh, one of our young top prospects who's going to be a starter this year, Miguel Vargas, kind of taking him under his wing. And, you know, as we've seen, J.D.'s done that with a number of players, one of them Mookie Betts. So, yeah. it, you know, that just to have him in the clubhouse is an incredible addition to this team. Hopefully he can kind of uh, bounce back uh, and have more of a productive year than he has maybe in the, in the last year or so um, that he had for the Red Sox, but his presence in the clubhouse is, is great. I know Mookie's excited to have him there. Certainly Miguel Vargas has learned a lot from him and we're really counting on Miguel Vargas to be a starting, you know, position player for us and really, you know, kind of break out as, as a rookie. So um, the, the vibe has been, has been terrific with him. The Dodgers have made a lot of those moves this, moves this offseason, just kind of veteran presence guys that, you know, kind of low risk, high reward type of guys where, you know, if they pan out great and they didn't really have to break the bank to get them. I saw a video of Vargas earlier this uh, spring and I don't, you might know the one that I'm talking about, or it might just be something that I randomly saw, but it looked like he had hurt his wrist or something. So they told him not to go and swing at his at bats. And he like walked on four pitches and then he came up again and it was the same thing. And he like walked on four pitches again. Um, Did I imagine that or did that happen? That, that exactly happened. He actually fractured his pinky and they instructed, right. They, they instructed him because they, 
the the thing is is that he is, by trade is a third baseman and so right now they're going with max muncie over at third base and so they wanted him to move over to second base and try that out so in order to get him reps at second base they wanted him out there and but they didn't want him necessarily swinging the bat so for the first like four or five or however many spring training games it was like I don't know. It, it was like uh, maybe 12 at bats or so he didn't swing at all. And he actually drew like four walks uh, in that time, which is kind of crazy um, when you think about it. Uh, no, you know, the other team knowing that he, he wasn't going to swing. I mean, you think you just would just kind of place it down the middle, all you had to do. And they, they ended up walking him. Um, so yeah, that was a strategy for him to not only play the field, but also to get the timing down, see pitches. Um, so yeah, no, you did not imagine that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. I thought that was absolutely insane. There's yeah. um, another rookie that I actually have a lot of questions about because there's a guy still on the free agency market that would fill, from my perspective, would fill his position. And that free agent is uh, Jerks and Profar. But the Dodgers are giving, I believe it's left, I, I might, it, it, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, but James Outman, who uh, came up towards the end of last season and really just hit the crap out of the ball, but kind of an older rookie. Is he being given the keys to the castle? Well, I'm sure if you pull Dodgers fans, they would want him to get the keys to the castle. I certainly have been, you know, banging my fist on the table to get him to be the starting center fielder. I think he's earned it. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but in AAA last year, he hit two cycles. I mean, he's just absolute, wow. an absolute beast. Um, I, I truly think that AAA is just not difficult enough for him. I mean, he really does need, <laughs> He really does need to be at the major league level. And right now the Dodgers have an interesting center field competition going on that, you know, Bellinger went to the Cubs. So they're, they're trying Outman out there, Jason Hayward. Um, and they're, they're trying a few others. Trace Thompson is another one that they're, that they're giving a shot out there. I think Captain that, <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, great Britain. So bizarre. Um, I think that he should be the starting center fielder, James Outman, but, Dave Roberts has not been very like, he's been very non-committal. Um, he's been very like, yeah, he's been great or whatever, but he's not saying like, yep, he's going to make the team out of center. I mean, he's hitting over like just under 400 this spring. I mean, he's absolutely tearing it up. And if he doesn't make the, the major league roster, it'll be because he has options and the other guys don't. Um, and so that's going to be frustrating, but the Dodgers have made a point this off season that, they're, they were going to cut salary, and they're going to give their rookies and their top prospects a shot at it. So if if that's what they're saying, then I want them to put their money where their mouth is, and I, I would totally give James Outman the keys to the castle. He, I think he's earned it at this point. Speaking of Roberts, uh, I know that a lot of Red Sox fans uh, love Dave Roberts. How could but, you know? uh, It seems as though there's, like, conflicting, like, feelings on him from the Dodgers fan base. Uh, he's not good when it comes to the playoffs or he's not a good manager is what I see. Uh, what is your, what are your thoughts? Historically, I've been very critical of Dave Roberts. Um, he first, the positives, he's a great players manager. He's great at managing a clubhouse. He's had superstar talent, you know, every single year he's been the manager since 2016. I mean, just all-star rosters. So for him to kind of manage those egos and, and get those guys to kind of buy in and, and, and play hard, that's a, a feat in and of itself. The problem with him is that when it gets down to it in the playoffs, he's a very, very shaky manager when it comes to pitching decisions. Um, he usually makes one or two just colossal mistakes. And like it's take a rich hell out. Yes, that would be one of them. Rich Hill, a 2019 NLDS game five, bringing Clayton Kershaw inexplicably out of the bullpen for no reason. Um, those those types of moves are just uh, catastrophic. Um, and there's debate about whether how much how much control he actually has in a game, because as you know, Andrew Friedman, president of baseball operations, and his team. They're very methodical and they do a lot of game planning and there's a lot that's decided before first pitch about how the game's going to go. But by all accounts, they say that once the game starts, every decision is made by Dave Roberts, but it's heavily influenced by the game plan. So it's not like he's ever really, you know, veering off the game plan, but 
the problem with, with him is that I don't know whether or not the game plan is the problem or his gut is the problem. I don't know which one he's going with. So it's very frustrating, though, because he's the one that wears it after the game. He's the one that says that he made the, he makes these decisions. These are why he his his sort of every line that he always gives after a really bad pitching decision. It's like, I like that guy in that spot. That's kind of the running joke in L.A. It's like, I like that guy in that spot. Oh, 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 do you? Um, you know, it is um, it's it's hard. And and also on the other side of it, it's like he's had these all star rosters. You kind of expect at least one more title in there. Like that's been the most frustrating thing. It's like every year the Dodgers have this stacked roster. They've got one title to show for it. And it was in a shortened season. And every year that they don't win a title after that, that shortened season title becomes kind of less and less, you know, impactful um, for Dodgers fans. I I certainly feel that way. Um, So I think we're getting, I mean, personally, this is me personally, I'm getting tired of it. I just am. I, I I think that we need a guy that not only can make his own decisions, but has that kind of fire in that, in that, you know, cause last season the Dodgers only played four playoff games. They won one of them. And I don't know if you watched any of those games, but boy, it was just a sleepy bunch. It just was the offense was dead and they couldn't score any runs and they had all this talent and there just wasn't a sense of urgency there. And all of us were thinking like, okay, well, it starts with Roberts. Why isn't there this urgency? Why, why do they kind of feel like they're sleepwalking through this series? And so I don't know if it's, if it's complacency or whatever, but it seems like it's just getting tired. It's just, it's a tired act. And I don't know how much more Dodgers fans can take of these sort of lofty expectations that end super early in the playoffs. Do you think that the expectations make it harder for the players to perform? Because that's um, I, I like. Do you think that maybe some of this strategy of letting them compete for the roles, like with younger players and uh, like these established veterans, but not the super high paid ones, do you think that could be feeding into that that they want a hungrier team? Yeah, I yeah, I think that's I think that's a that, that's a really good point because if you look at and I'm using the 2020 team because they they were actually the ones that completed the journey. Um you look at some of those guys like Kike Hernandez who you guys have. I love love Kike. Um Jock Peterson, another one of those guys. Those sort of hungry role players that have personality, right? That that have that fire. One of the things I, you know, I want I was at the uh USA Mexico game last night. I mean, first of all, it was like an electric atmosphere and the majority of the fans were the, the supporting the Mexican team. And but their their dugout, their players fired up from the jump and they were all just hopping out of the dugout. It was it was a party. You look over at the USA side. Who's who's leading that team? It really reminded me of the 2022 Dodgers, the the guys that. You have a stacked lineup, an all-star lineup, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Will Smith, Justin Turner, Max Muncy, all of those guys. And there just wasn't that fire, that passion. And and it kind of feels that way with this Team USA right now where it's like you got Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, all really talented guys, but all kind of the same player, you know? Yeah, and I mean – and it feels like that's actually been something that's kind of followed Mike Trout throughout his entire career when you, you know, like he's never, there, there's obviously the, the famous, he's never made the playoffs thing with uh Trout, but um, that's, 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 yeah. that's, 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 yeah, but did, did you, did you like not win any games in it? That almost, no, it's like, got, uh, if you don't, if you get to the playoffs and you don't win anything, did you really make the playoffs? Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, like, and I, and I don't know Mike Trout personally, I'm not in his head. I don't, I don't know anybody in his circle. So this is just me saying things, but from an outside perspective, it just looks like Mike Trout's just not the type of player that really wants to win. I mean, he signed a huge contract extension with the angels, knowing everything he knows about that organization, everything <laughs> he knows. And he signed an extension there. What does that tell you? And then you got Shohei Otani who, you know, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he didn't know when he signed with the Angels originally what it was going to be like, but he certainly spent enough time there to know that, hey, he doesn't want to be there anymore. He certainly wants to win. So that's kind of the um, the difference between those two players is that Mike Trout just doesn't have that desire, not only to not be the face of baseball, but also that, 
like winning a World Series is kind of secondary. You know, he likes baseball, maybe loves it, but like winning a title is not doesn't seem like it's one of his priorities. At least he doesn't vocalize it. Is Mike Trout really the face of baseball right now? Well, they they've tried to make him that. I mean, he's certainly been the best player in baseball and and that's kind of how it goes right it's like lebron james has been the best basketball player in the nba for however long and he's kind of the face of the nba or has been for that long of a time and usually the best player in the game is the face but that's been the problem with baseball hasn't it it's like they can't find that guy you know and shohei otani is kind of like their next opportunity that if if he continues the way he's going i'm glad that you brought up otani and did, I think Brad did you might see, be going the same place. Did me. you see the video of the home run ball that uh, that he hit? That the Japanese fans were literally just like, "Here, you can take a picture of this," and they're like, "Oh, take a picture." It's like if there's anything that I want our fan, or like our fans in MLB, like our baseball fans, to like take away from the World Baseball Classic is one: it's okay to go absolutely apeshit crazy. And like bring bongos and whatnot, and you know support your team, and and be like show respect. If someone like it would be awesome if someone caught a home run ball. If I could just be, if I could just like hey, I took a picture of Shohei Otani's home run ball at say Fenway Park. You know damn well that's not going to happen. But this is the reason why I say that Mike Trout's not the face of baseball. I think Shohei is because of the way he's the, he's a two-way player. Uh, he, I mean, that video of him, uh, of that baseball being shared over a million views Yep. where, and I believe Jared Carabas actually uh, made a statement on this where like the last out in the world series only had 500,000 or less than 500,000 views. Yep. Yeah. I mean, That's the one thing that I've taken away and I've seen a few WBC games is that the passion for baseball is there. I don't know why MLB can't tap into it or figure out how to do it, but Shohei Otani, I believe is that gateway to that, you know, that passionate fan base, not, not even just the Japanese fans, but like all of the, all of the different uh, nations, you know, the, the, the Mexican team, the Dominican team. I mean, all of the different nations that are competing in this all have that. And, and you watch a game with their fans and it's like, wait a second, we have, we have nothing like that during the regular season, nope. nothing like that, even in the postseason. The, the only thing that really came close last year was the frenzy that the Philadelphia Phillies kind of brought. Like right. that atmosphere is what happens at all of their games. And right. why can't we tap into that? That's been one of the huge issues. The first time I was ever exposed to something similar to that was uh, in 2020, I started watching the CPBL, uh, uh, the Chinese Professional Baseball League, started getting into that a little bit here and there. And they have cheerleaders like w- 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 like we can't do so. They, their mascots are like going nuts. Some of our teams have mascots and whatnot, but like. They had a player of the game ceremony afterwards too. It's like, these are things that we should be adapting into our, our league, our baseball teams and stuff like that. Definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, baseball has really struggled to try and get a hold of that fan base and to get, to get that passion that, that we see across the world. Um, And I don't really know how to do it. I don't really have any answers, but like, what Shohei Otani has done is we should, we should figure out, f- figure that out, figure that what that formula is. Let me ask you, cause this is what I have thought since last year. Um, and the Dodgers did nothing this off season to make me think otherwise. How much money do you think the Dodgers throw at Otani to try to bring him to LA? Well, if you read the tea leaves, which is the fact that the Dodgers really, like you said, didn't really make any splashes this offseason. Um, they cut a lot of payroll. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that, unfortunately, now is has been tied to Trevor Bauer. Um, I think that Otani could make $500 million. And First half I think, a billion dollar player. I think he is. I mean, for what he brings. And right now if the biggest competition is going to be Steve Cohen and the Mets. Um, Because as we've seen, Steve Cohen doesn't 
give a rat's ass what he spends. Uh, he's going to spend what he's going to spend. And the Dodgers are kind of operating very conservatively with their money and trying to stay under the cap and all of that. Um, I, I, but I, but, but I'm hoping, and I think the rest of Dodgers nation is hoping that they cough up whatever it takes um, because Otani in LA, that's how you grow the game. Otani in Anaheim, it's not going to happen. The team's not good enough. It won't be good enough for a while. And they, they don't develop players well at all. And it's been that way forever. And they don't develop pitching. They can't market. They can't market a guy like Shohei Otani. It just, it just won't work there. And especially now that Artie Moreno has said he's sticking around, he's not selling the team. That was another huge blow to Otani staying in Anaheim. And who knows? I mean, maybe the angels are looking at, looking at this thinking, Hey, we, we're not going anywhere this season. If we let Otani walk, we're not going to get anything for him. So it could be, it could be crazy, but they could end up dealing him at the deadline. I just think that would be insane. And the haul that they would get for him would be astronomical. But I think that the Dodgers, you know, with the Padres, the Mets, and don't, don't sleep on the giants either. Because the Giants were willing to shell out big money for Aaron Judge, so they're they're willing to shell out as much money as possible as well. And that's Arson, Arson Judge. Arson, sorry, excuse me, Arson Judge. <laughs> yeah, thank you for the correction. Um, and I, I think that those are the those are the biggest teams that will be involved. And I, I'm hoping because I'm a Dodgers fan, I'm hoping that he comes to LA because I really feel that Otani oh, in LA. That's how you grow the game. You put them on the face. You put them. You put them as the face of a franchise like the Dodgers, um, who are always successful, or at least have been successful over the last decade plus, um, and will continue to be. That's that's a start. So we're on the same page then that uh, that Shohei is the future in LA. At least that seems to be the move that they're making. That's what we're all hoping for. It's been kind of a rough spring for the uh, for the Dodgers this year. Um, it seems to me, at least, and I think I say this mostly just because they lost their shortstop before the season even started. Um, how much does the Gavin Lux injury take back the Dodgers this year? That's a good question because I, I I was thinking about this and I, and I don't think that it really sets them back that much because they were relying on. Gavin Lux, obviously, to be the shortstop and to kind of have a breakout year. But as we've seen with him, historically, he is injury prone. So the fact is, is that he may or may have gotten injured anyway, right? Um, And they're going to have to rely on the other guys anyway. Um, But if, I mean, it wouldn't, it doesn't hurt as much as if it was an injury to Freddie Freeman or Mookie Betts or Will Smith or any of the other guys that they're relying on with the offense. I think the Dodgers have a serviceable replacement in Miguel Rojas uh, defensively. He's an upgrade defensively. Um, that's a, that's a no brainer. Well, looks bat, like a second baseman. I thought he, he, uh, he, his natural position, I believe is shortstop. Um, and you know, whatever they, whatever, whatever they get with his bat is, is going to be a bonus. Um, and he looks really good this spring. But I don't think it really sets them back for how I thought they were going to do anyway this year, which is I believe that they're going to contend for the NL West and they're, they're going to be right there with the Padres. They may not win 111 games. They, I, I guarantee you they won't. Um, but they'll win 90 plus, 95, which is still good enough. And I think that, you know, we'll see how the Padres I, – I, my thing about the Padres is a lot of it – They've, been, they've had a lot of great off seasons or so they say, or they've yep. won a lot of off seasons. They always win the off season. They always win like. the off season, but you know, the championships aren't won on paper. So let's see what happens with them. I they're, they're, they're the biggest wait and see team that I've ever followed um, <laughs> because you just have to wait and see. They, they haven't proven themselves yet. And in fact, last season was kind of the, the first time that they really made that step forward to put themselves on the map by knocking the Dodgers out of the playoffs. I actually have a question about Will Smith. Uh, did you happen to see what happened between him and Randy Rosarena last night? Very bizarre. Yes. I uh, missed this. So Randy, Randy came out being the guy that he is. I won't say he's a stand-up guy, 
But uh, he came up to the plate and he went to go give him a fist bump. And Will Smith literally just like sat there and stared at him like, no. And he did it twice. What? Oh, he did it twice. I didn't know that. Wait, like separate at bats or like yeah, separate at bats? What? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that is. I mean, they asked him after the game and he sort of said that it was like, he left him hanging and whatever. And I didn't, I, I don't know if you heard what Will Smith said. Cause I didn't, I didn't know if they asked him or if he said anything about it. Um, it's weird because Will Smith is like the most boring dude on the planet. Like literally never gets upset about anything. Never argues a call. Very even keeled, very seldom shows any emotion. So for him to do that kind of weird, don't know if there was any residual stuff left over from the 2020 World Series when the Dodgers played the Rays. Who the hell knows? But to me, it seemed very odd. I, I don't know if I should read into it at all um, because it just seems so out of character for him. But yeah, it is what it looked like. I mean, certainly Rosarina held out his, his fist. Will Smith did nothing in return. He um, just stared at him and smiled. Yeah, like, I don't know. What? I mean, I don't, and, and, and Will Smith doesn't strike me as this sort of like competitive, like, like fierce, like, uh, I don't know, Kobe Bryant comes to mind. Like Kobe yeah. Bryant would pull something like that, right? Where he wouldn't, you know. Like, get that out of my face. Yeah, 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 exactly. Get out of my face. Will Smith is not that type of guy. So it just seemed very bizarre to me. And I don't really know what it means, but definitely out of character. So I've got um, got a quest, a fan question, and this is actually a question that I have as well. Um, and this is from Noah Powell. Uh, is Evan Phillips most likely the closer? If not, how do you feel they'll address that? Well, if you ask most Dodgers fans, they'll say they want Evan Phillips as the closer, and he certainly earned it. I mean, he was unhittable last year, um, burst onto the scene absolutely their best reliever, their best fireman. And that was one of my biggest criticisms of Dave Roberts in that final game where the Dodgers got eliminated by the Padres. Where the hell was he? Like there was a, there was a clear spot to use him, which was in that seventh inning when the Padres started to rally and um, Tommy Canely and Yancy Almonte got into trouble. Why didn't they bring in Evan Phillips to put out the fire? They literally did it every single other time during the regular season, which is why it really upset me that, that's what how it transpired, and then they ended up using him in the next inning. Well, they already lost the lead at that point, so what's the point? Um, Evan Phillips, I don't think that they're going to name a closer. It, they haven't indicated that that's what they're going to do. And after Kenley Jansen left last season, it was like they didn't have a closer either, and then they, they kind of made this weird A.J. Pollock for Craig Kimbrell trade, um, and then Craig didn't really pan out at all. Uh, he, didn't even, he didn't make the postseason roster. So I think what the Dodgers are going to do is they're going to mix and match and they're going to use Evan Phillips in the role that they always use him in, which is what's the most important part of the game? What's the most important part of the lineup and send him out there and mow them down. Um, so I, I mean, ideally, right. They would use someone like, I don't know, Daniel Hudson, if he's healthy to be the closer. He's got closing experience. He closed for the nationals. He won a world series as the closer there. So that would be my pick to kind of have a guy that you want to name, but I think they like using Evan Phillips in all sorts of situations um, that, that they'll, that they'll just use him that way. Now it could be the case where they could use it. They could name him as the closer at some point, but right now, since they haven't committed to it, which by the way, th there's no reason not to, if you wanted to name him the closer, he's earned it. He is our best reliever, uh, hands down. And the fact that they don't have Trine in this year, um, I think that they will use him more, you know, as the Trine in role that they used Trine in in 2020 and 21. So what you're saying is that the Dodgers are going to probably go with the closer by committee. That's what it sounds like because cool. they haven't, they haven't declared anything yet. So that's what that's what I'm going with right now. If there's one thing that I've learned, and I have to give credit to one of our co-hosts, Ryan Brady, is that closer by committee does not work. And when they announced that we had signed uh, Jansen, I don't think I've ever seen another person happier about somebody getting signed. Like... He hates as soon as, Ryan Bloom. 
And he was how so happy you, for I, high and below. I have a question. How have you guys liked Jansen? Do you like him? I'm I'm a fan of Jansen. He led the league uh, last year. I think it was the National League uh, in saves last year. So the fact that we haven't had a closer basically since Kembrell, um, and we actually have one now, an established one. And he's also he's working on his timing and whatnot, like because of the pitch clock. So his his the way he's pitching now is a lot different than what it looked like when he was with the Dodgers. He's not taking 20 minutes between pitches, but, um, I mean, that's my, that's not by choice. <laughs> I, I know it's not by choice, but still it's nice to see the, you know, between him and who's the Houston dude that does the rock, the beat. Oh, uh, Luis Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. Like I hated that. That was probably yeah. the most annoying thing in the world. I know. But, especially because it was the Astros. <laughs> see, see, that's where we differ, and I think you and I might butt heads on this one. I do do not hate the Astros, but uh, well, that's rich <laughs> coming from a Red Sox fan. I don't hate the Red Sox. I don't hate the Dodgers either. Uh, but I want to wait uh, to make a uh, a just have a decision or like make a uh, what you would call it on Jansen until the season starts. Yeah, with the new rules. Yeah, my my concise description for him. I like his cutter. Relievers are volatile. Relievers, and he's he's got a great track record. Relievers are volatile, and he's yes. like thirty six. The Dodgers had Craig Kimbrell last season, a freaking gas can. I mean, he just was the most unreliable guy in the ninth inning, um, which is really unfortunate because he has great stuff. He just couldn't control it. And he was walking guys, wild pitches, hit hit batters, all of that stuff. So to me, it was like, yeah, did the Dodgers win 111 games with Craig Kimbrell on the roster? But I think they won despite him because their their bullpen is one of the best bullpens I've ever seen, and it was excluding him. So I get what you're saying, and typically I'm a kind of an old school guy. Like I'd like to have a closer, but when I want rules, yeah. And, and the Dodgers have roles. They have guys that they like to use guys in all sorts. Their position players are the same. Uh, they like to use guys in all these different ways, and, and it works for them. And I think the Dodgers' bullpen is strong enough to have a bullpen by committee. But I, I, have a, I have a suspicion that at some point they'll name a closer. It just might not be at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I um my my thought had been Hudson for the exact reasons that you stated. I didn't realize that Evan Phillips was as good as he was until maybe a month ago when I was going through some of the numbers from last year and I was just like, wait a second. Evan Phillips? Yeah. Like he what does he throw? Like like uh speed wise or like what's his like what type of a pitcher is he? He's he's a you know he's a uh, fastball uh, I believe I believe it's sinker slider uh, if I if I had to guess but he's got I don't know he's just he's very deceptive in his in his uh, motion and his pitches it's like he's got this like lateral movement on the, on the balls it's just crazy and he's unhittable and he's got um just immaculate control and just ice in his veins another boring guy I mean but that's kind of what you want right as a reliever. You want a guy like like a Blake Trinan or Evan Phillips, just like boring, no personality guys, no emotion. Like that's what you want in the ninth inning. You don't yeah. want a guy that you don't want a John Rocker. You know, you don't want a head case at the back end of the bullpen where, you know, one little thing will rattle them. Evan Phillips lives for that moment, lives for those moments. Um, and they br- the, 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 the amount of times that they brought him into games where the game was on the line and they brought him into bases loaded, no out situations. And he got, and he gets out of it without giving up a run. It's incredible. I've never seen that before. Um, Which is why, again, I say, why the hell, where the hell was he in that decisive game where they needed to win? Otherwise they went home and guess what? They didn't, they didn't lose with their best on the mound. And that's, you know, I'm fine with, with, with losing. If you have your best, you know, in the lineup on the mound at the plate, like, that I'll, I'll take it, but if you're but if you're dicking around with other relievers that are good but aren't built for this specific situation, that's when I have a problem. So it looks like he's got four pitches. Uh, I just pulled this page up on Baseball Savant: a sweeper, cutter, four, uh, a fastball, and a sinker. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The sweeping cutter kind of looks like a slider. So that's why I thought it was a slider. Yeah. I mean, I've heard the, like the, the sweeper, it's basically just like a variant of a slider anyway. So that, that adds up. Um, what there, there've been a, a lot, they lost a bunch of free agents this off season, a bunch of which went to the Red Sox. Um, what, which loss do you feel the most from the Dodgers and who's left in free agency and which of their move off season moves are you the most excited about? Okay. The one that, that really kind of stung just from an emotional standpoint was Cody Bellinger. You got, I mean, what a fall from grace, right? It's sort of like, it's kind of weird. If you look at like Bellinger and Christian Yelich's career, like they meteoric rise and just an absolute drop off after that. Um, the Dodgers really thought that they had their future center fielder franchise player already had an MVP under his belt. And ever since your boy, Kike Hernandez, you know, busted his shoulder in the 2020 celebration of the NLCS game seven, he just kind of tanked after that, but his numbers were, were kind of dropping even before that point. So it's not really like that was like a turning point for him, but he never recovered from that injury. He never recovered anyway. Um, that's the one I'm going to feel the most because I'm like, damn, I just know that like a change of scenery is kind of what that type of player needs. I mean, the spotlight was so big on him in a market like LA, the expectations of him being in the middle of the order bat and then kind of regressing to this like bottom of the order, automatic strikeout rollover guy that just couldn't catch up to a fastball to save his life was really hard to watch. And I was one of the fans that was like, oh, just just give him the qualifying offer. Just give him one more shot. If he doesn't do it this year, then get rid of him. But the Dodgers felt like, look, we can save money. Um, we can replace him with someone that is just as good, if not better, in, in, in like a James Outman type or like a center field by committee. And we don't really need a, a main guy. Although, you know, I, I would like that guy from Pittsburgh, Brian Reynolds. He'd be nice. Um, but that was one move that I really was like, damn, like that's that, that hurts to lose him. Um, and then the other one, just from my from my own emotional, personal standpoint, even though I totally understood why they didn't keep him, was Justin Turner. Um, yeah, just the he, he seems face, so likable. Face of the franchise, just a staple, local guy, such a, you know, a fixture in the community, his, his char- charitable work and all of that, just being a captain of this team and just the red hair and everything that came with it. And, just, and, and also his sort of like rags to riches story of like signing a minor league deal getting you know cast off by the Mets and you know signing a minor league deal with the Dodgers and then becoming basically the face of the team that's was an awesome one but also like I understood why they wanted to give Miguel Vargas a shot and and, and Justin Turner was is is kind of aging and so it, it made sense to not to not bring him back the one guy um that I'm really excited for um that that they acquired is um uh JD Martinez. Um, I, re- Oh, I, JD Martinez and Noah Syndergaard. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to both of them uh, because those are both, both guys that have a lot to prove, but also have like a, a pretty decent track record. I think JD a little bit more than, than Noah Syndergaard because Syndergaard has been very injury prone and all of that. But when Syndergaard was good with the Mets, he was really good. Um, and I just really am looking forward to seeing if they can have those bounce back careers. I know Syndergaard has talked about how, he chose the Dodgers because of what happened to like Tyler Anderson. Basically Tyler Anderson never had a decent season ever in his career. And then he has a career year with the Dodgers and inks a three-year deal with the angels in the off season. So that to me, and that's another guy I was really bummed about losing as Tim. I really wanted to keep him, but with the rotation, the way it is, the young guys they have coming up, uh, Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, uh, Ryan Pepio, it made sense to, to kind of let him walk, but yeah, I'd say Syndergaard and, Martin- and J.D. Martinez are two guys I'm uh, excited for. Yeah, Syndergaard seems like such a perfect fit for L.A. just because, like, just his appearance. He's so theatrical, yeah. you know? Like, he just – he looks like something that stepped out of a movie. He's got that surfer vibe, too. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's a character, and that's going to be that's, – that's, that's a good answer. Uh, you brought up those prospects, and that was actually another fan question, which is just uh, what prospects have given you the most hope in spring training? Well, we talked about him quite a bit, James Outman. I mean, you can't not you can't say enough about him. Um, just having a, a, a torrid spring, um, which you know kind of carries over from last year. But I'll give you a couple others. Um, 
Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller, I mean, these guys were absolute studs last year uh, in the minors, and they're the two top pitching prospects uh, that the Dodgers have. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing them come up. And I think that the Dodgers anticipate them starting uh, games for them because outside of Julio Rios, the rest of that rotation is super injury prone. Kershaw, Cindergaard, uh, Tony Gonsolin, who already got injured, you know, walking off the mound for Christ's sake. Um, they've, there's a lot of injury prones. And I think that with Gonsolin out, Pepio will step into that role. And I'm really looking to see, looking forward to seeing him w- with another year under his belt to see how he can develop. Um, but yeah, th- those, those pitchers are, are studs and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing if, if one or all three of them can be like the next Walker Bueller. Uh, so I, you brought up Kike in the 2020 NLDS and there was a video that surfaced on Red Sox, uh, their account. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Oh, I saw it. <laughs> he said that he shit his pants um, during an at-bat. Was it at, at bat? He was taking a he was taking some um, medicine for his toothache or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Do you think that's what hurt his shoulder? <laughs> I don't yep. know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how violent of a bowel movement it was. Uh, I can't confirm nor deny it. But I need to actually. I I need to go actually YouTube that video and see how I many don't. times. <laughs> no, I need to. I need to YouTube that video to see how many times it's gotten a click. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't need to see that video again. But um, I, you know, hey, if it helped him, and look, he came up huge in the 2020 NLCS game seven. I mean, he tied the game. Cody Bellinger gets a lot of credit for hitting the go ahead home run against the Braves, but Kike tied it. So if that had occurred before that moment, then, Hey, you know, maybe you should do it every game. Uh, <laughs> it's my new yeah, ritual extra, guys. Yeah. Just put a diaper on next time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe he's got to flush out the system, you know, maybe he plays looser that way. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I could see that working. Maybe that's what happened in 2021 with Kike too, because he went ape shit in the uh, in the playoffs that year too. Let's uh, playoff um, Kike. Maybe that's the secret to playoff Kike. Ape shit, an appropriate way to describe it. I'd say. <laughs> that was, you know, we have a lot of fun with fun with puns around here. That's... Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, last fan question. Uh, looking back at the off season, what trade signing do you wish the Dodgers made? So, yeah, there's there's a there's a couple like I mentioned, Tyler Anderson was one that I would have liked to kept kept around. I know that they were deep into talks with Justin Verlander, but I was I'm worried about him and his age, even though he kind of, I don't know, found the fountain of youth last year. It was kind of crazy, man. And Scherzer. Yeah, sure. You know, I don't know. I I think the Mets are just they're I'm not too high on them, even though they had a great offseason. Another kind of prove it to me franchise. Um, but another guy I talked about, just, I mentioned his name is Brian Reynolds. I mean, the dude wants out of Pittsburgh, the Dodgers need a center fielder. They haven't named one yet. I don't know if that's a sign. Um, I don't know if they're willing to offload some of their prospects for him, but we've known, we've known historically for whatever reason, the pirates are, they just, I don't know. It's like the pirates and the Marlins for, they just, the asking prices are just astronomical. Um, about what they want. And especially when you're dealing with the Dodgers, it, there, there's that Dodger tax that everyone talks about where the Dodgers will get absolutely, you know, the other team will ask for the, for the moon. So I don't know if the Dodgers would be comfortable giving up a ton of top tier prospects for a guy like Brian Reynolds, who is a good ball player, but he's not like, you know, Mookie Betts good. Um, he's not that he's not worth it that much. Um, but Honestly, I mean, he'd be a perfect fit. Switch hitting center fielder, a guy that you know would 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 fit right into that uh, fit right into that lineup. But honestly, guys, I'm kind of excited for this Dodgers team. I mean, no one's really looking at them, uh, and for the first time in a while, uh, everyone is like, "Oh, the Padres, oh the Mets, oh the Yankees." You know, the Astros are you know, and and you got you got the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Pretty much like no one's really giving them a look and. And that's kind Parallels, of a, man. a great place to be, honestly, because then you can surprise people and say, you know what? You didn't give us a chance, but you also didn't really look at what we have. And what they have 
is a lot more than they're getting credit for. And I think that if you got guys like Outman and Dustin May coming back from injury, remember before Dustin May got, you know, sidelined with Tommy John in 21, he was unhittable. He, He was dealing. So to have him come back, I mean, there's a lot of guys that they need to have, you know, kind of emergences or like breakout years for them to be kind of that top tier team anymore. But with the leaders of Betts and Freeman, I like the chances. I really do. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for like a young, scrappy and hungry team. Um, And having like, as you just mentioned with Betts and Freeman, those are world champions there. Those are guys that have done it before. They're still at the at the height of their powers, you know, like. And people like, I, you know, I, it's just funny, the parallels, though, with um, the Red Sox and Dodgers, just because, you know, a similar situation, not quite the same roster as the Dodgers, but people are sleeping on the Red Sox. And maybe, you know, that, that's not the wisest move, especially with what we've seen so far in the spring. It's uh, I like it's that. Just, I like that mentality. I like that mentality going into the season. Yeah, you kind of have to. Otherwise, like, you know, like, I, I I don't understand how anybody can go into a season doom and gloom, you know? Like, yeah. you gotta, like, wait wait for things to go bad so, before you start to work for that to happen. We, we really want a rivalry, like, between us and whatnot. I mean, Mookie, JD, and then you got Turner, Kenley, and uh, Kike. I know Doogie. a lot of people. Doogie. Also, I'm going to throw Martin. another name at you guys. That Yeah, I was going to say Chris Martin. That guy... <laughs> What a what a find! I mean, he was electric last year. So if he continues that for you guys, you're gonna you're, you've got a great like late inning high leverage guy. Simply incapable of walking people. It seems like I was looking yep. at his numbers and it was like five walks and sixty innings something. He's like he's like the one hundredth percentile. His, his command is second to none. Yeah, no, he's um, you know, he actually um, he came up with the Red Sox. He was like an indie league signing that they got. Um, I think it was 2013, and you know, he's just he's one of these dudes that have just like late bloomer, but it almost seems like every year he's either been steady or he's gotten better. And like, I mean, yeah. he was he was so good last year for the Dodgers. Oh yeah, yeah. What and, and, and sort of like an under the radar Andrew Friedman move, Brandon Gomes move, um, that that paid off. What's with the pitching factory there? Because you talked about Syndergaard and like going there, but I mean, he wasn't the only guy that they've done that with. I mean, even last year, like Andrew Heaney went there after completely flopping out with the, uh, with the Yankees two year deal with the Rangers. There was talk about him getting offered up to like four year deals. And he was somebody that was always like a decent arm, but like, like you said earlier, the angels don't know how to develop pitchers. And it just didn't seem like he ever was able to put it together. And, I just remember he was the first guy to sign in free agency uh, yeah. uh, last year. Do they, 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 so they obviously knew something that they liked with him that they were like, okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna grab him before anybody else can. Um, what do the Dodgers, do you have any insight into what the Dodgers do to identify these guys before they get them? You know, it's crazy. I mean, it's so it, everything, everything the Dodgers do is to, so top secret. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams will, you know, they'll have leaks, you know, when, when, uh, when, when trades are being discussed and all of that, and the Dodgers never have any leaks ever. Um, but what it's being called, what people, what we refer to it as is the prior lab, Mark, Mark Pryor, uh, the pitching coach, you get in the lab and all of a sudden you become, you know, they, they, I don't know how they do it, but they, they just elevate the skills that you do have. They see potential and they know how to hone it in. Like Evan Phillips, nobody heard of him. Phil Bickford, who's kind of flamed out a little bit, but when he when they first got him in 21, no, you know, outcast for the Brewers. You know, if the Dodgers are picking up someone you've never heard of, you know that they've got some raw talent somewhere that they haven't unlocked yet. And we say the same thing about the Rays with uh, the AL East, and that makes perfect yeah. sense considering who's the grandfather of the Rays, Friedman. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you got, you, you got, you know, Shane McClanahan, you know, who's ever heard of him? You know what I mean? And like, he becomes like the Cy Young award winner. Um, he, you know, it, it, it's, it's remarkable. It really is. And it's not just pitchers. I mean, did you ever hear of Max Muncy before this? Chris Taylor? I mean, you know, the, they, they Taylor was an outcast from Seattle. Like I remember when he was a utility guy there that just couldn't, he was supposed to, he was like going to be their next great thing, a defense first shortstop. And he was basically out of baseball when the Dodgers got him. And they found a bat in him somehow. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but it just does. 
Um, they, they identify the raw ability that you have. They see the potential and they're like, well, if we just fix this or tweak that or work on this, then we can get to where, where we want to be. Now it doesn't always pan out. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to have some, you know, some flops in there. Um, but it has been unbelievable. I mean, you look at the, the bullpen last year, I mentioned Yancy Almonte, that guy was an outcast, the Rockies, whatever, never really had success comes and becomes a, a, a unbelievable high leverage arm. Chris Martin, you know, Andrew Haney. Uh, when we signed Andrew Haney, I was like, this guy has never been good ever. He's never stayed healthy. What is this move? Turns out it was a great move. Now, I, I was right about him not being healthy. He barely pitched. But when he did, he was great. And he was the only the only pitcher that was actually pretty successful as a starter in that Padres series. So what's your final prediction for the uh, for the Dodgers? What's your uh, wh- where do you think they're going to be? What's the what's the finish if you had to guess right now? <sighs> you know, I it's the Dodgers division to lose, and so until I see until I see what the what the Padres are capable of, that's what I'm going with. I think it's going to be a dogfight, but I think the Dodgers are going to win this division. I don't think that the Padres. Um, you know, may, I mean, the Dodgers, I think it was like, they won the division by like 20 plus games. You know, I, I don't know that you can make up that money games in an off season. Who knows? Maybe they can. And maybe the, but I don't think that the Dodgers are going to win, you know, 106, 111 games. They'll win 95 games, 90 to 95 games. And I think it'll be a dog fight um, with, with the Padres and, and, you know, I think that the Giants will make a little bit of noise and maybe the, the Diamondbacks are kind of on the uh, on the on the rise a little bit um, with some of their talent and some of their young pitchers like Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly and that kid Corbin, who's really good. Um, but I think that the Dodgers will win this will win this division, but it but it'll be close. Did you grow up a Dodgers fan? I did. Who was your favorite player? My favorite player going up was Sean Green. Um, that. Yeah, I was a big Sean Green fan too because you know, I, you being, know, Jewish kid a, always rooted for the Jewish exactly, players. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, and the fact that he was that he played for my team, you know, as a as a young Jewish fan growing up. I mean, it was just so so cool to watch. Just the, one of the most the the prettiest swings you'll ever see. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was too bad that I was I was devastated when they traded him to the Diamondbacks. I was like, what are they doing? And we got we got Deoner Navarro. Just terrible, um, but, but that but that ownership that administration was just garbage anyway. So it wasn't wasn't a surprise that we that we dealt him. But yeah, Sean Green. My main takeaway from this entire thing, if there's anything other than like um, you know, it's like the, the, how the Dodgers are going to do next year. Red Sox fans and Dodgers fans, man, like you, you sound like if if you were to just have like a soundbite of how you're describing the team and everything, I'd be like, well, that could be a Red Sox fan, you know. I hundred percent. Get rid of uh, get rid of some of the R's and we're there, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like 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 we said, you know, they don't expect much from us, but look out. I mean, there, there's there's talent. You just you you know the casual fan just can't see it. You got any more, Brad? No, I mean, I do, but I don't want to go there. I'll be nice. I'll play nice. You could go anywhere you want, Brad. Nope. Yeah, I'm gonna Brad, be nice. you can't tease us like that and then not say anything. What were your thoughts in 2018 when Dave Roberts pulled Rich Hill and the Red Sox just went on a fucking tear? That was one of the worst managerial decisions I've ever seen. Um, and not only, not only because uh, he took him out when he did, but that if you read afterwards, kind of like the inside of what happened, there was miscommunication. You can't have miscommunication in the world series. You just can't, especially with the Red Sox being favored. The Red Sox were a juggernaut that year. I mean, just up and down. I mean, this is the height of, you know, Mookie Betts and JD Martinez and, uh, just an unbelievable team. Um, Nathan Ivaldi and uh, all those guys. Um, Joe Kelly played for the Dodgers. Yeah, right. He came up with the Dodgers. Um, I thought that that move was, and, and 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 it was one of those at the time. You know, you know, it's like it's easy to like after the game be like, oh, they should have done this and should have done that. 
I remember screaming at the at the TV, what are you doing? They haven't touched him all game. And this was on the heels of that unbelievable home run by Yasiel Puig with Kobe in the stands and, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez throwing his glove on the ground. I mean, that should have been the moment, you know, right. that should have been the moment. And they, they blow it. They bring in freaking Scott Alexander. Why are you doing that? Uh, who else did they bring in? Ryan Madsen, I think they brought in at, at one point. Um, and like fucking Mitch Moreland. God damn that guy. <laughs> that ball was, still hasn't landed. Ugh. And I was like, this guy's been a, this guy, you know, he's been a decent player, but like, come on. You know, it, it was, it was brutal. I, I didn't think that the Dodgers, and, and by the way, I was at, the the one game that they won that lasted you know uh, a full twenty four yeah I was at that game and I thought okay game four they win right momentum's on their side let's say they what, what would it have been tied two two right yeah. they tie it two two they got one more game in L A if they have the momentum they win game five then you go back to Boston who knows right. And like all the, you know, all the Dodger fans would be like, oh yeah, well the Red Sox are going to win anyway that year. You don't know that. You don't know no. that. You have Anything to win. To you, you win game four. Who knows what happens after that? And so that's why it was so frustrating because Rich Hill was dealing and it's, it's one of the worst managerial moves. It even had freaking president Trump tweeting about it. I mean, that's how bad it was. It was the one time I actually <laughs> agreed with the guy. <laughs> It was just brutal. Um, yeah, that was that was one of my worst memories as a Dodgers fan. That moment right there. All right. Well, I'm sure there's another bad memory. And uh, oh yeah, it happened. Of, it happened the very next year. But yeah. uh, speaking speaking of uh, bad things that have happened to the Dodgers, you guys, uh, I guess this will be my last thing. Uh, I'm glad you remembered this. Trevor Bauer uh, had just signed. I don't know how to pronounce their name. Uh, Yokohama, Yokohama Dana Bay Stars. They just announced it uh, like 50 minutes ago, like while we were on the pod. Um, He, the Yoka, uh, Yokohama, whatever, the Japanese team. I can't say, I can't say their name. It's wrong. I know it is. After this, what were your thoughts first? when you signed Bauer and then the thoughts of the, the allegations and everything that had happened and then the release of him. So when they signed him, I thought they didn't really need a top line starter at the time. It felt like the rotation was pretty much set. And I felt like Bauer would have been like a bonus, uh, you know, pitcher. And I was a little iffy on him, you know, his sort of like online bullying and just kind of his attitude and like the whole like drone incident and the the, the moment where he threw the ball over the center field wall. I mean, just a, a maniac. Um, and the L.A. media and um, the rest of the Dodgers, most of the Dodgers fans that, I, you know, I heard from were not happy that, that they signed him and um but I was, I was sort of like, okay, you know, the Dodgers, let's give them a benefit of the doubt. They do their homework on pretty much everyone. Um, they wouldn't, you know, I mean, I thought they wouldn't knowingly go after someone that they, you know, could foresee or predict would be a, would be a PR headache. And maybe, you know, if they could rein him in on social media and tell him to kind of just play nice and just pitch that he would be good. And, you know, during the first 17 games, which is all he ever pitched for them, he was pretty decent, uh, and it looked like we had a guy that was going to be able to eat innings and be a horse. Um, and then he goes and does what he did, which is just horrific. The details are just awful. Um, and you think, okay, you know, it was at that moment when all those details came out, and it was just like, you know, this was a huge mistake. One of the worst, probably the worst um, free agent signings ever uh, for the Dodgers. And, um, I think once all the details came out and once he was suspended by major league baseball, um, I was like, I'm good. I don't need it anymore. It was, you know, it's like, bro, like you had a chance to just reshape your image and kind of like what we were talking about with Shohei Otani of like, 
coming to LA and using the market to his advantage, he had that opportunity and he just, just absolutely pissed it away because he's, you know, he is who he is. And it just, God, it's just, it was, it was so disheartening. Um, and, and, and just, I, I don't know. I can't wrap my, I can't wrap my head around it. Uh, just everything that came out about it was just so uh, disturbing and I'm glad he's gone. I was really just when, when there was a chance that like he could come back to pitch for the Dodgers because they still have to pay him. I was like, I don't even want it. And there was really no other decision for them to make at that point. They'd already made, they already made the bad PR decision in signing him in the first place. They weren't going to make it again. They weren't going to make the same mistake twice. Yeah. Even if they like, and that's, you know, there were people saying like, Oh, the Red Sox need pitching. They should sign. Nothing is worth the optics for that. No. Nothing is and, worth, and worth bringing in all of major league that. baseball, all the major league baseball saw it happen. And all 30 teams, or I guess the, the rest of the 29 teams, they all looked at it and said, Nope, not worth it. Not worth it in the least bit. Agreed. Yeah. So on that note, I think uh, that's going to, we're going to wrap it up now. Um, do you have any, uh, anything you want to plug? Yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I, I co-host the, the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are uh, one of the top fan Dodgers podcasts out there. And so if you guys are interested in more Dodgers content, more of me, more of my, you know, my other friends, um, you can, you know, get your podcast wherever you subscribe, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. That's basically all I wanted to say. Awesome. We really appreciate you being here. This is honestly, I think, more than anybody that we've had uh, on. This is making me kind of want to root for the Dodgers. So, hey, that's oh, good. Not good. you've done your job then. Um, you know, you. I'm not going to root them over for them over the Red Sox, but it's your national. You know, I feel positive towards them now. Good, good. I'm, glad, you, I, I'm glad I was able to do that for you. You could say it's your National League team. There you go. <laughs> Well, no, my National League team is the Cincinnati Reds. I just know that they're, it's not happening for a while there. So, yeah, but on that note. I saw them them in spring training uh, yesterday. um, And yeah, they got Will Myers hitting third. It's just, it's just not good. Yeah, no, it's, I feel, you know, they've got Hunter Green, who will at least be fun to watch because he throws really hard, but it's, it's rough, rough times for the Reds right now. On that note, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow, I believe, with uh, Not Gayetti to talk Yankees. Uh, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>